Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? I have come here to review movies and eat candy corn. And I'm all out of candy corn. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> why are you out of candy corn? That's the question. <laughs> that's, what, why? That's all I got. <laughs> that's a secret cap. He's never out of candy corn. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Real Fills Podcast. We are a movie review show that every two weeks... Fortnightly! Fortnightly. <laughs> Every two weeks, we bring you a different movie genre with a movie paired with it. And today, it is our satire genre. And I am bringing you two gentlemen and the lovely people who are uh, whose ear holes we are filling. Ooh. 1988's John Carpenter's They Live for Our Satire Genre. Ooh. Ooh. Do we think that the bean footage for this is going to be, like, piping hot? Or do you think that it's going to be... Like a low simmer. As long as it has John Carpenter's like do 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 ball. I'm a single man walking alone through the world. Somehow I'm carrying a shotgun and no one's stopping me. Different time. They wouldn't It was the eighties. It was the air age of Reagan. <laughs> That's Roddy, Rowdy, Roddy Piper, you <laughs> son of a bitch. You, you put some respect on that name. Oh, so are we leaving some room for some, some frijole footage? We can. Frijole a footage. Roll it. What do these things want, and why are they here? You still don't get it, do you, boy? They have recruited the rich and the powerful. They're running the whole show. Wake up! They're all about you, all around you. Blinded us to the truth. Take a look. They are safe as long as they are not discovered. I don't know what they are or where they came from, but we gotta oh, stop them. Stay away from me. Put these on. They have us. Look at them. They're everywhere. We have no other choice. I don't like this one bit. Leave it alone, man. It ain't none of my business, ain't none of yours. We have been lulled into a trance. Listen to what I'm saying to you. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. Control us! You're sending some kind of signals on the TV sets. I've got one that can see. Mama don't like tattletale. Now we start spilling some blood. Let's go! Push I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick And I'm all out of bubblegum. I'm fucking ready. Oh, yes. Well, hmm. I'm, I'm going to start us off with a fun fact. The intro scene for this movie actually cost quite a bit. 
because they had to film the entire thing where he's walking around the railroad tracks twice. Well, and you could tell because that is the most graffitiest l- lack of graffiti uh, <laughs> train that goes by where it's just these pristine cars. I was like, this is. It was not. I mean, real. it wasn't even that. It was the fact that the uh, the film crew, whatever they filmed, whatever they did, some type of technical malfunction happened, and the sound quality was was not usable. Much like our our special episode with Cody and uh, reviewing, sure. I saw the devil. Sure, sure. So they had to re- they had to redo that entire scene. Now this is not as much as it cost. I think for the grocery store scene. <laughs> All right. Which costs, I believe. That's one who can see me. $23,000 because they actually had to build their own grocery store. They had to fill it up with items and condiments and things to buy. And then they bought all the toasters in <laughs> L.A. County. In L.A. County. And then they had to fill it all back up again with the uh, the, the the quote unquote big air quotes real items and they're consumable. Yeah. Obey. Consume. Consume. <laughs> That's wild that, uh, you know, and granted, 23000 you know, nowadays is like, I'm sure that they don't even buy, like, that doesn't even buy the extras. Like, that doesn't even buy, like, lunch for them. Well, but I mean, to like, actually, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm switching some of the facts, but I know that the, it, it is well known that the grocery store uh, scene did cost the most because they actually had to build it from scratch. They didn't want to go filming inside an actual grocery store. They had to make their own labels for the subliminal messages. And they had to shoot it twice in color in black and white. Right. Back, forth, back, forth. And then restocking the entire time. Now, Nathan, uh, my hunch uh, (laughs) says that you have never seen this movie. You, your hunch would be, uh, your hunch has chosen wisely because i feel like this at some point your parents Nathan. read that it was a social commentary on reaganism that they're immediately like sedition it was just bad we just need some water and to fill up our powder hordes and we'll be on the way sedition <laughs> oh so, the movie's soaking wet so this is your first watch then it was so and so give it to us yeah yeah um, well, how did you like it Trying to kind of balance both the now and what it was. Um, watching movies like this when they are in their heyday, I'm sure uh, it had some some pretty heavy moments for for the time. Nowadays, I don't know if it holds up as well. The ooh, black and white. Ooh, see, I disagree. I ooh. think it holds no, up well, hold on, even let him, better. Let the man. But I'll let you go. Ahead. We, we will have our ooh. rebuttal. Um. <laughs> Again, I, I think that the black and white really was a smart choice to give that uh, that movie magic it's and to symbolism. Uh, but but just even more of I mean, regardless of the symbolism, you know what is what does uh, uh, William Defoe's character say in uh, Boondock Saints? I'm I think a- the word you're use- looking for is symbolism. What is the symbolism? I'm a bit of a social commentator myself. <laughs> Coffee, two sugars, twist a lemon, sweet low, <laughs> twist a lemon. It's it's a good movie. It's not it's not without its flaws. There's a lot of, in my opinion, wasted, uh, like, or just like kind of keep going, keep fighting. Even though it's like 
That's Roddy Roddy Piper. You keep his name out your mouth. <laughs> keep Roddy's name out you your fucking, fucking mouth. mouth. <laughs> Again, it, it's it's a fine movie. There's some parts that were like a little bit kind of okay. You kind of had to squint to get through, but all in all, a fine film. Fun. There's a lot of fun parts and can I think stand above a lot of other films of this era and genre. So. So it's good, good. Lay it on me. Lay it on me, Jack. So my disagreement is that this movie is even more important now than it when it came out in 1988. Uh, hold on. Let me just uh, look up a quick fact on my cell phone. Uh, obey. Obey. Consume. Uh, <laughs> reproduce. Uh, it's, it's even more insidious where basically this is all around us. All the time. And I think, you know, when Car- Carpenter meant this to be for Reaganomics and Reaganism, trickle-down economics and all that stuff. But we are living in a post-Reaganomic society. And I think this more applies right now to big tech and so, big tech, social media, uh, it's the news media, and sort of the this sort of the billionaire Elon Musk, uh, you know, l- let's put a billionaire in the White House and see how that goes. Where, you know, if you put me in the White House, uh, you know, by the end of the term, your your gross investments will have risen by 39%. And the, I think the most... The best way that is put in this film is when he puts on the the glasses and he looks down at the wad of cash that the guy is holding and it just says, this is your God now. The social commentary for this is scathing now, you know, almost 30 years later, you know, 25, than I think it was back then. Uh, and it, it's funny because this movie was actually co-opted by the extreme right and the white white power, white supremacists uh, and neo-Nazis because they viewed it as like, it's the Jews controlling the world. And John Carpenter actually had to come out and say, oh, yeah. no, no, this is like yuppies and the rich eating the yuppies poor. Yuppies and consumerism. It has nothing to do with Jews controlling the world. He's like, that is just false and hateful. Like, I mean, it's it's crazy to think the fact that, like, that's immediately where it leapt to. I mean, the movie itself, based on short story, H.P. Lovecraft. OK, uh, and then it's uh, the short story, eight o'clock in the morning, which became a graphic novel, which became a comic book simply called Nada. And obviously a differentiation of how the aliens actually look like in the comic book they have like multiple eyes and scaly green skin and but i mean it's it's the same thing but the idea that i mean to the idea where you had said like oh the black and white was really clever i mean it is it's all about the symbolism i mean if you want something to be perfectly clear like laid out in front of you as denzel washington in philadelphia says explain it to me like i'm a five-year-old literally we have the saying it's black and white It's either right or it's wrong. Like, it is clear as day. And that's exactly what it is. The symbolism is just throughout. It's all about capitalism. It's all about consumerism. It's about the fact that, like... And the the dangers thereof. Right, and and listening to it. And, I mean, so many things. Okay, so we'll get get to the fight, but I want to touch on the fight for half a second. The fight itself is so interesting enough to where it depicts social media society today so much where people would rather fight than actually listen to facts or even listening to an opposing view they would Between rather the 
Between Nada and Frank? You just yeah. put the glasses but, on. But just the... But no. he, all he keeps saying is, like, put on the you're glasses. You're going to put those glasses like, oh, on and you're you, going to eat some trash like, can. Right. That's a good line, that you're going to eat some trash can. Like, I'm like, oh, but it's the fact, going. But the fact that he would rather fight him than actually listen to a point of view is just daunting to actually realize in today's mindset. And then, in the fight, when he picks up the board and he smashes and he hits the back of the car... At that point, he stops and he apologizes. Motherfucker. Never, never in the fight does he apologize for hurting him, for calling him something, anything like that. It's only when he damages something of monetary value does he even utter an apology. And I think that speaks volumes. So when they teleport into like their, their lair... Yeah, uh, the the backstage they yeah. call it, mm-hmm. uh, and you see <laughs> that that little we'll which which is kind of cool. Where it's like you know you thought they were on Earth and they kind of are still. Well, they but are. then there's like the whole like portal to the universe travel. and there's the interdimensional travel. I mean that's 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 Bending that's Bezos and, and Elon things. Musk shooting themselves into space in this day and age and trying to buy Twitter when with their wealth, I mean, Bezos could be Batman. The amount of money that uh, uh, Elon Musk wants to spend buying Twitter could make every, pay off the debt and enrich the lives of, of every American. Uh, you know, there's the old quote, like, I wish the the billionaires of, of today would, would do, uh, you know, public projects and build libraries and opera halls uh, and not just launch themselves into space so they could show the world how big their dick is. But everybody wants that amount of money. Everybody wants that, like the the guy that comes up to him at the uh, the board meeting, so, so to speak. George Sw- Buck Flower, yes. also known as Drift, the, the Drifter. Yeah, swilling his his champagne. It's like, oh, I see you've been recruited. Well, no, no, don't do this. You can have a bite of this too. Isn't that all what we want? It's just business. We all sell and out. We all at want one a point. bite of this American dream. But and there's that that uh, scene with Keith David. Yeah, where he's like, you know, it, the see, it starts off. You know, everybody is at the same uh, starting line and we take off. But I damned as hell, I'm going to do as much as I can to make sure that I get ahead. And that's that's really, I think, been more amplified in our times since 1988. But is there a push for that to happen from both sides? See, this like this is where I think that like the media of it really wants the division. They want don't be in this middle where like you're just kind of like hey i don't they want you to fall to a side it is a it is a point because the media has become so fractured i think they want you to fall in line not even fall to a side they want you to fall in line they want you in one in either the far far like the farest farest right or the farest farest left there is no middle ground that they like if you rest in the middle both sides call you like Incompetent and stupid. Oh, hundred percent. Like, and you're like, well, can I? Can I, mean, I not have I mean, an opinion of my about, own? Are you talking about like, my normal nope. society, or are you actually meaning the movie itself? Oh, well, in, in the movie, like you can't just um, like this is where I was kind of like, oh, like I was hoping that someone would have put on the glasses and be like, honestly, I don't care. There's but you a, do. You have the woman who works for the the news station. And what did she but, end up being? But she she, joins, she was a betrayer. She was the betray- mole. Yeah. Uh, so, but but either way, Meg as far Foster. as the, the media goes, I, I do agree Foster. with you. Uh, who? Oh, you mean uh, Evil Lynn from 1987's yes! Masters of the Universe? And also Masters playing uh, an energy creature in Deep Space Nine, yes. also known as Lynn. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
no, no, yeah, I completely agree with that. But uh, there's a great clip out there. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's John Cleese in like 1985 or 86, and it's satirical. He's explaining the uh, the benefits of extremism. Seriously, though, we've heard a lot about extremism recently, a nastier, harsher atmosphere everywhere, more abuse and bother boy behavior, less friendliness and tolerance and respect for opponents. All right, but what we never hear about extremism is its advantages. Well, the biggest advantage of extremism is that it makes you feel good because it provides you with enemies. Let me explain. The great thing about having enemies is that you can pretend that all the badness in the whole world is in your enemies and all the goodness in the whole world is in you. Attractive, isn't it? So, if you have a lot of anger and resentment in you anyway, and you therefore enjoy abusing people, then you can pretend that you're only doing it because these enemies of yours are such very bad persons. And that if it wasn't for them, you'd actually be good-natured and courteous and rational all the time. So, if you want to feel good, become an extremist. Okay, now you have a choice. If you join the hard left, they'll give you their list of authorized enemies. Almost all kinds of authority, especially the police, the city, Americans, judges, multinational corporations, public schools, furriers, newspaper owners, fox hunters, generals, class traitors, and, of course, moderates. Or, if you'd rather be an extremist on the hard right, no problem, fine, you still get a lovely list of enemies, only they're different ones. Noisy minority groups, unions, Russia, weirdos, demonstrators, welfare sponges, meddlesome clergy, peaceniks, the BBC, strikers, social workers, communists, and of course, moderates. And upstart actors. Now, once you're armed with one of these super lists of enemies, you can be as nasty as you like and yet feel your behaviors morally justified. So you can strut around uh, abusing people and telling them you could eat them for breakfast and still think of yourself as a champion of the truth, a, a fighter for the greater good, and not the rather sad paranoid schizoid that you really are. And it's put in a way that only John Cleese can, where it boils down to, you know, the benefits of extremism is that everything you believe in is automatically good. And everything mm -hmm. that your opponent believes in is automatically bad, and therefore the enemy. This is not new, uh, but I feel like it's not acknowledged enough that we're turning into this sort of society where you can't just be in the middle. You have to pick some yes. sort of side. And um, I think that's kind of sad. No, 100%. I, I very much agree. And it, and it is a sad point where why, why do you have to have two trains of thought? Why do there have to only be, you know, a right and a left or an A and a B plus minus? Who cares? Like, why does that have to be the choice or the set of choices? You can have multiple things. It, it shouldn't and it doesn't make you wrong. I mean, if there's something to prove you wrong, great. But like there shouldn't be some type of like immediate conviction. Uh, yeah, to I, prove someone I agree wrong with that, that and and that's why uh, John Carpenter uh, diverting from the graphic novel, like you said, Scaly Green, wanted them to look like rotting corpses, corrupted flesh, corrupted human beings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, you could die just like the rest of us. Yeah, you bastards can die just like the rest of it. Exactly, and I mean, it's it's so interesting 
to just like look at him and say, this is a brilliant film, obviously. And even Carpenter says like, this isn't a movie. This is a documentary. And he and he said that in an interview mm. because it was because it's such a showcase of 80s Reaganomics era. And again, as Jack and I are very adamant about it, it is so potently it's like it's so a wine like parent today it's like a wine that just keeps on it, it, aging well yeah. now you know nathan i agree that the movies it does have a lot of imperfection there's a lot of slow points when i was saying <laughs> dated i meant more not not the story of itself i meant some of the uh like special effects again eh. It, especially <laughs> the what, the aliens in, well, in black you, and white fella? where it's like they're talking but it's like a bad video game where it's like <laughs> right it, in a way it almost brought me to the whole mars attack where it's just like that kind of <laughs> okay I, I, I can get behind this it's not you know there is no right or wrong alien in my opinion people that get really upset about uh like signs they're like oh you can't no no fucking water <laughs> Swing away. Swing away. Oh, Joaquin. Jesus. If anything, I feel like War of the Worlds takes the cheapest route when they're just like, oh, and um germs in the air killed them. Like, oh, uh, okay. That's that's it. But there, I don't think there's a right or wrong thing for aliens like to depict them. No, of course. I mean, that's, they can be whatever, whatever you want. So many aliens. Clearly, this is exactly why we can have it. But I mean, the uh, the the aliens themselves. It is interesting where you have the stunt coordinator who plays like all of the ninety percent <laughs> of the actual aliens, both male and female. And in addition to all that, they spent a month coordinating the alley fight, the famous alley fight. Because if there's like three things in this movie, it's when he puts on the glasses and he notices when he does his I've I've come here to chew bubblegum line and the alley fight, which originally was 20 seconds long and then inspired by the quiet man played by John Wayne, where the entire town gets into a fight in that film. But no, we come out of this ballpark with a five minute and 20 second fight. Laughs a brother. Laughs a bitch, and she's back and it in is heat. Gorgeous, and I love the fight. It's such fun to watch, and you do get the the shot of the two of them, like when he's like holding him, and and Frank is just like awestruck at what he's seeing. That's a, it's a good shot of the two of them of the believer, and then like the recently converted of my eyes are open. Yes, it's it's a good stuff. But again, 5 minutes there is a <laughs> point where you can check out at like minute one and a half. And I don't then know. That's Rowdy Rowdy Piper. That's Rowdy Piper. <laughs> and Keith, and Keith motherfucking David. David. Uh, I I disagree just based on the fact that they worked uh, Keith David and, and Roddy Piper worked on that scene for I, I think you said two or three weeks Drew so they the actual in the like, backyard stunt, the stunt coordination was for a month's time <laughs> yeah. it took three days to actually record the entire yeah fight. yeah so um and it's it's inspired have you guys ever seen the cripple fight episode of South Park Creepy fight! yes <laughs> if like you can watch and i i just watched it again last night to make sure that it wasn't an old wives tale but they take <laughs> a lot of what happened in that fight 
and it inspired the cripple fight to the point where Timmy uh, goes to, uh, you know, ring Jimmy's yep. bell and you hear Jimmy, you dirty motherfucker. <laughs> like it's it's taken point by point. Um, but I just love that like these guys aren't enemies. And one of my one of my favorite moments between the two is when Keith David says, like, you know, if you go on up to so and so's place, like it's a place to sleep and showers and hot food, and like Roddy Piper doesn't say anything, he just follows Keith David. And then Keith David, after a couple of blocks, just stops and he's like, I don't like people follow me. And and Roddy Piper's like, Well, I don't like following people till I see where they go. And like there, there is like a buddy aspect and, and Carpenter didn't want Keith David's character to be like buddy sidekick, which is why he wrote it exactly, which is why he him. wrote it specifically for Keith David, because he, he enjoyed working with him in the thing. And to, to that same point, the role of Nada played by Rowdy Carpenter wanted to give it to Kurt Russell, but he's like, oh, we just did Escape from New York and Escape from, you know, Big Trouble uh, Little Little China and uh, the thing. He's like, let's let's go with something else. Oh, is that wrestling? I am a fan of wrestling. Well, he he cast Ruddy Piper because he loved the showmanship that he put on in WrestleMania three. And in 1988, I was Christ, you know, six years old. We were two, Nathan. And uh, (laughs) just babies. Babies. And that was the beginning of Hulkamania and Rowdy Roddy Piper, Hacksaw Jim Cummins, Jake the Snake Roberts. And those were those were big names back then. And Roddy Piper is uh, the along with Andre the Giant, the first person, the first wrestler to cross over just like Dwayne the Rock Johnson and John Cena, who has done brilliantly in (laughs) Peacemaker. uh, Peacemaker. Oh my God. That guy has depths of acting that I didn't know. I just always thought that John Cena was like this dumb fucking beefcake. (laughs) And uh, while he has the physique of a dumb beefcake, I have enjoyed his acting, uh, especially in Peacemaker, where you can see the kind of range that he's able to pull together. He does pull out some depth. I still want like an Ernest P. Worrell bio story. And even if they have to dub in a voice, I just want John Cena to play Ernest P. Worrell. He looks so much like him. On steroids. Like well, no, but yeah, like, I was like, well, sure. With a wee bit of muscle. Sure. But I mean, you know what? Let John Cena pull, you know, a, a uh, machinist and he can <laughs> drop that much weight and then he can play the role. But yeah, I mean, for, for such an impactful movie, it's shocking that at the time it was considered a flop. But well, it did reach number one at the box office. Despite first that. weekend open, right? Despite that, having a okay, so an estimated budget of like four million dollars, it but made. So was the thing. Yep, and it made so was thirteen big million. Trouble, little so that's China. It. But much like a fine wine, you give it time, and it just gets better with age. So, <laughs> do you think that that was? That was more marketing of like what shot it up to like number one. And I then don't kind of saw it. I don't. Like, I don't think so because you had so many people that. I mean, I, I think eventually later on it might have been like what drew the cult status to it. But I highly doubt that this was going to be like Carpenter thinking like, all right, I'm gonna wake people's eyes up, wake their eyes to consumerism. I hope I make a lot of money. Mm. <laughs> well, if anything, this kind of follows along the same lines, I think, maybe of The Matrix, where I'm sure at the time people were just like, what did I just watch? Like, Matrix was kind of that first, like, whoa, uh, 
was that a deeper meaning to everything? Like, was that, or was that just a really cool movie? So Roddy Piper actually commentated on, or commented <laughs> on that. Uh, he went and he saw a, just a general audience screening of the movie after it came out. And he was looking at some of the kids that had come out afterwards. And he said that, you know, these kids grew up expecting, you know, John Rambo and, uh, you know, the Terminator uh, Schwarzenegger and those types of films, they weren't really able to grasp the social commentary and the satire uh, and the, you know, the class division that this movie was trying to highlight. And I think that's true where you have to be of a certain age to be able to appreciate that. And I don't mean you have to be born in the 80s. I yeah. mean, you have to be probably at least in your late 20s or early 30s. I think you have to understand the world, obviously, and, obviously and a bit yeah, more. Yeah, be, be a little bit more um, wise mm. uh, as to what's going on. Yeah. Because if you're not, then the movie is not going to be very good and not going to make a whole lot of yeah, sense. It'll fall short. It's, it, well, yeah, it's not going to hit you in the face like a brick wall. Yeah. So, yeah. And to, to the point of Kurt Russell, I think Kurt would have absolutely smash this film you know if if he if he had been not a but i i'm kind of glad that he wasn't like i think that there's something to be said for when you bring in kind of that new talent that's why i'm really interested in a lot of the the newer stuff that uh would like when hbo did the Game of Thrones. That was a lot of people that no one had ever heard of before. Or First older timers. actors that had not acted in a while. Yeah, Sean Bean just kind of coming out. Giving a lot of roles. Who was also uh, uh, briefly thought of for the role of yep. Nada. Uh, Michael Sean Bean. Bean. Michael yeah. Bean. Sorry, Michael Bean. Oh, yeah, no, Michael Bean. You're right. You said I was like, what? Gabba Beans you mixed up. Too many for holies in the pot. <laughs> no, but it's, I, I like that when you bring in some new fresh people and that are not maybe as well known and that still do a really good job. And so, yeah. No, a hundred percent. I mean, it's fun to bring in the new aspects. It's fun where things that were not originally in the script become so iconic, like his chew bubble gum and kick ass line, which, which were, he had written in, a, <laughs> written in one of his, his like, wrestling, notebooks, wrestling as, notebook as some trash. He could talk to the, uh, <laughs> his opponent. Yeah. It's as he should. <laughs> The uh, the actual like encampment, the hobo encampment, was a real hobo encampment that they filmed in. And the extras were real homeless people right. that that not only Carpenter fed but also gave a paycheck to. And, and Roddy Piper said that that he really admired that because he had had his own bout of homelessness, and that the most disturbing scene in the movie was when they bulldozed the homeless camp, right? Because he had been involved in situations like that in his earlier life. I, I was actually thinking about that through my second watch through kind of just watching it where you have so many deterrents being implemented by cities in response to homelessness, where you have like cement blocks that are being put like in the middle of park benches or on so, overhangs you or have on the, the different heighted right. rods so right. that you the wouldn't metal be able rods, to sleep like, the so overhang. they can't set up uh, a sleeping bag, a tent, a sleep like I mean, just like I said, like a, a park bench right in the middle. Just so they can't, you know, curl up at night and, and fall asleep there. And them going through with the bulldozer and completely destroying the homeless encampment. My brain immediately went to like, there's no fucking way like anyone would stand for that. But then you kind of realize that, again, no one's doing anything. The police are in charge of it. And it, it just goes back to it was all of them in charge. 
Boys, don't you understand? There's no good guys anymore. They control everything. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. And even the alien just, the alien who at the, the fancy dinner party, he's like, you really should have dressed for the occasion. Uh, well, uh, I'm as, He's as... congratulating all the rich upper class people. He's like, you, like, it is you who we are thinking. You know, you should be proud to be part of this. And it's just like it. It kind of makes you think where like, oh, if this even happened in, in the middle of the night, like would people notice? Would you actually have anyone to complain to? Would it fall by the wayside? And, and I think we would agree I'm, I'm the, the most bleeding heart liberal of the, the three of us. I do have to disagree with some of the anti-homelessness that you did mention, because if that park bench was in front of your house and the there were people sleeping homeless outside of your house. Then it becomes sort of a different thing. Hell, one of the best parts of moving to my new home was getting out of that area around uh, Stockdale in California. That is just basically like Hobo one, Alley. one yep. homeless Hooverville. I'm not, where I'm not saying, our kids I'm not saying even, it's a good you know, or a bad thing. I'm just saying this is what cities couldn't go like. without. Yeah, but, but we're talking about Bakersfield, not I LA. understand that. Well, I mean, uh, I, I'm just talking in general. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's it is nice to live somewhere else, and you know, I I haven't, you know. I don't think I'm on the aliens payroll. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're experiencing it firsthand, just of like, hey, I, I'm no longer, you know, in this area with the, around this kind of uh, subsect of. Yeah, there's of no, the class. there's no broken needles, uh, you know, outside yeah. of or you know the the foil with the uh, the the charred foil that they're using to freebase right. shit and stuff. Same thing for Nathan's old office. He's all like, no, like we had to move offices because they would break in and they would steal shit and. You know, and defecate like, in the corner. <laughs> it was like they would go into the bathroom and like literally like bar the door and be just in there just running copious amounts of water, just, cl- you know, just bird bathing. And I'm like, we call that I, a whore's bath. <laughs> they would they just dirty it up and, and not even in like a hey, like uh, be respectful, you know, I, I don't know, because if it's not theirs. They don't, a lot of them don't care. You know, it, they have no skin in the game. They didn't pay taxes. So, like, it's it's just, it's a hard lifestyle to get behind and to want to help when a lot of them don't want your help. And I think that is the one thing that I find some disagreement with with uh, this movie is in that homeless encampment, it's like the... Like, is it the homeless encampment of like just the best homeless people out there? There was no, <laughs> there was no drug use. There's no prostitutes. You got there your was own no, tools. There yeah, was no drinking. Uh, you know, so there, there are some some issues with this movie as far as you know. Carpenter does say a lot about our society, and a lot of what he says is very, very correct. But at the same time. You know, he does sort of put a little bit of uh, petroleum jelly on the lens of of the reverse of that. But also to the to the opposite side of like the rich being like all the bad guys. You mentioned that, like, if Elon took that, you know, 40 billion or whatever, and then just 55, 55, and then just did this thing that, like, helped out all of society by paying off all their debt or whatever. Is that really like I get that it like it because it benefits us. So we're like, yeah, do it, do it. 
but that's not that's not my money. I didn't no, you no, know that's, like that's true enough. I, but a lot I of that have money billion, is, you know, the, Tesla has gotten government money uh, as far as bailouts. Uh, the you know, Soldier Boy, not Soldier Boys, the, well, I, the Island Boys. And, and good things have come out of it. You know, Starlink has helped out the Ukrainians against Russia in maintaining uh, internet and being able to, you know, have access to that. But there's division even on, on Ukraine saying, wait, why are we supplying Ukraine with weapons when we can't even have like a cop at every school protecting our kids from another mass shooting? Like, I'm just saying that like, there's, there's always this like allocation of funds or resources that is completely mismanaged. And, just saying, like, let's just pay off uh, the school loans or let's just do this. It's never just a black and white answer to a and homelessness is one of those problems that gets, I think, a lot of that. Oh, just put them in a home. It's like I've watched firsthand that it doesn't work. It, it's may work. It may work analytically, like numbers wise, because of how much they're, you know, not s- sucking off the system. But it, these are real people's homes that they move into, and some of them destroy. And I think Nathan, you're you're very right. But but back to the cops in every school. Why do we have to have cops in every school? Oh, because because we have a a, a very uh, wild time where guns are readily available to both the good and the bad, and and there's gun law that wants to happen there's gun law that doesn't want to happen because some are afraid that if you take one you're gonna take my gun but like it's it starts with a spark and so does taking one piece of the jenga tower destroy the whole tower no well there was the mass shooting in australia what was it the uh mid 90s 1996 or so where a (laughs) bunch of they barred a bunch of like a bunch of children were killed and uh they took away something like 690,000 weapons. Now you can still own a sure. weapon in Australia if you have legitimate purposes that you need that if you need it for hunting, if you are a farmer and you need to protect your livestock from from predators, but I don't know any Australians that have ever said, "You know what? This could have all been prevented." If I just had my 15 AR-15s at home and I've got a gun, kids don't know I have a gun. It's locked up. It's there in case of an emergency. But what I don't like is the glorification of the gun. You know, politicians posing with, you know, all their whole family holding guns on Christmas Day. Like that that's not a thing. Nobody is like, look like, get grab your guns, kids. Time for our Christmas photo. No, you're just glorifying the, you know, the Second Amendment and, and this and that. Well, the Second Amendment didn't state that you need to have fifty firearms and thousands of rounds of ammunition in your house. Uh no, the Second Amendment also- doesn't state that you should like is it I am more uncomfortable walking into a Starbucks with a guy standing there with his his pistol and his uh, AR-15 slung around behind his back and his tactical gear on all like, I'm here to protect society just in case. Uh, that guy scares the hell out of me a lot more than uh, like the, the cracked out hobo the outside asking me for five bucks. But that's not, again, that's that's an extreme. Just like the, per- I mean, there's, there's tons of the extremes, but when you go into a store 
and 10 out of the 12 people in there are carrying weapons, if for some reason that building gets chosen to be robbed, a whole lot more people are going to die. Or or a whole lot less because I don't know. I see 10 or 15 assholes with guns uh, and a lot of people died in the crossfire when uh, they can just take that money. It's insured and the cops can deal with that place getting robbed. I mean, it's it's a topic that, um, again, probably not for. Are <laughs> I know Drew's in the middle, just going, ah, oh, guys. No, I'm Roddy just, Piper. <laughs> no, I'm just sitting here listening to like, and and the, the the regulation of gun laws obviously needs to be constrained because, as I saw uh, reposted by my friend uh, Moxie from Your Brain on Facts, where <laughs> there's no way we could prevent this. Says the only country where this happens multiple times. So 1998. Y'all quiet over there, Nathan. Oh, just because, yeah, it's it's a topic that I don't I don't think either of us are. It's 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 a topic that I'm not as strong again because you know I'm not so hard opposite you. I'm much more in the middle, and there's a lot more that I like to listen. Tatanka, Tatanka. What's issue? What's issue? Is that General Waylon Smithers I no. see? <laughs> Cut off my legs and call me Shorty. Uh, okay. Yeah. But but the only the only thing I want to say before we move on uh, is I've got a lot of friends in the Midwest that they own guns and. We have gone shooting, you know, almost every time I go back to Ohio, my one buddy, Mitch, we head out. He's got a farm out in the middle of fucking nowhere. And we just shoot skeet and shoot guns on his property. He'll fill up, fill up the, uh, uh, the old, uh, gallon, uh, milk jugs and I'll put some dye in it and we'll set those up as targets. We've got paper targets. We even have targets that, uh, look like golf holes and you play golf by shooting, uh, at the, you know, whatever hole you're on, whoever gets closest, you know, yeah, they win, they win the next bet or whatever. So he had a buddy that came over the last time and it, we always used to do just pistols, maybe the odd rifle and then the shotgun to end up to the day. Cause you can't really miss with a shotgun, Yeah. Uh, but his buddy bought over his AR 15 and, and honestly, after shooting it, I, I, I want an AR 15. Uh, and that's scary. And the reason why is it's the easiest shooting rifle i've ever picked up in my entire life so where you can accurately put rounds down range in a quick succession that i don't see why that's not something that somebody's going to be taking out hunting i'm not sure why that that is something every american has the right to put their hands on they're they're highly customizable where you can make it into an assault and to deadly or the Las Vegas guy with like the bump stock where you can do all sorts of shit. Yeah, you, you you can literally trick them out any way, shape or form that you want uh, to meet the needs that you want. But like just like you said, one of the smoothest firing guns and just scary how it and we're, oh. where it's like oh oh give me another clip boy let's yeah. do that again uh it's it is it is uh it is tough but i feel like we've we've probably if there's any listeners still with us uh sorry for <laughs> allowing us to air 
our uh, our grievances uh, on this podcast with uh, 1988's John Carpenter's They Live. Uh, so let's get back to the movie. Drew, They Live. Oh, They Live. I, I do think that the uh, movie has a hilarious ending with the fact that, like, the, you know, the alien, the ghoul, as, like, they're called, uh, is... <laughs> Is he with a prostitute or in like a or in like a sex hotel? Because like there was a flashing. That's the final. I loved how he threw just, a good just the wink of some tits in at the end. Right. It's like I'm still John Carpenter, motherfucker. He's not like, don't you worry. What's wrong, baby? And well, that's the end. Well, and also like just around that scene, you've got the ghoul newscasters. There's like these directors go too far. John Romero, John Carpenter, Siskel and Ebert. How could they? That's supposed to be Siskel and Ebert. I love. When it goes clear, okay, and everything can be seen, and all you hear is like, Deborah, you look like shit! (laughs) They're all like, what's going on? I don't understand. Would you wash your face in formaldehyde? You Uh, look like you fell back in the cheese dip in 1957. That's like putting perfume on a pig. I I do like how they somehow expanded uh, from the glasses to the contact lenses. I thought that was really neat, but... It's also one of those things where it's never explained. It's never, ever explained. And I don't know if I if I want it explained. It's kind of like, I mean, people have theories, but it's kind of like the three seashells and Demolition Man. Now, I know like Sandra Bullock came out and gave like, well, this is technically how it's supposed to be done. I don't really care. I just I just want it to work. That's all I want it to do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've said it once. I'll say it again. There's just something about John Carpenter movies from the 1980s. Uh, it has the the aesthetic. It has John Carpenter's wonky synthesizer keyboard music that's going on in the background. And can we talk just a brief moment before we get on to segments about the majestic mullet on <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper? Yes, please. I yes, mean that please. is that is not your backwoods where it's like it's buzzed on it's the smooth. side. Like that is that is a that is a lion's mane. It's it's grown <laughs> in just the right places and with just the right on just the right faces. Uh, it's <laughs> it's maje- It is. You're right. It's majestic. Uh, we we can't go without saying enough about Keith David. Mm. Uh, it's great to see him. Once again, in John Sanchez. Kenneth Sanchez. That's I, that was that was one of my clues. I I had put the uh, the president from Rick and Morty, and I thought people were gonna get it. I put I put a ghoul from Fallout. I put the president from Rick and Morty. I put Reagan, and then I put a watch. I thought that that would be enough, but no one Ooh. guessed the clue. No one. No one guessed the clues. Ew. You should have put some bubble gum. No, I think that would have been too much on the nose. Or like, or an, or I put an empty bubble gum. <laughs> I put Reagan for God's sake. But I mean, it was it was still. It was still a hoot. It, it was fun to watch him and in this role. I very much enjoyed him. I loved the the panic stricken because, again, it wasn't even the idea that, like, he's being associated with a crazy guy. It's the fact that, again, the concern, much like the bashing of the car, it was the concern of losing money and him losing a job was losing status. Well, speaking of losing money, Rowdy Roddy Piper left the WWF. Because Vince McMahon uh, told him he did not want him doing this movie. He would find 
another root movie for Roddy Piper to do at the same pay rate, but he didn't want him to do this one, and yeah. uh, he he wanted to do it, so he quit. And that's where a little bit of the schism comes from later on, where the you know WCW kind of rose for a little little while before they got sort of folded all back in, and now we have the WWE. Mm-hmm. But is there anything else we want to say about John Carpenter's 1988? They live. I think the only thing I can say is that they must have the worst security in that base because if two people just randomly pop on into a fancy dinner party and they do not have, you know, the attire, even even our, our drifter, you know, once hobo is a lot of like, well, guys, you should have at least dressed up like they're coming in street clothes. Like, I could just see because that. they're there, don't assume they've been But that's been sort of recruited. like, what in Gandalf just have the eagles take no. him right to my mortal? I think, I think because, that's a bit of a slip where it's all like, just because they're there, don't assume that they've been recruited. Ask him, like, like how did you even get in here? What happened? My, so my favorite part is when the two guards are like, did you hear? We killed all the terrorists. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, they're so, like, buddy. They're, like They're so excited for it. Uh, like a... A juicy fruit commercial, just <laughs> juicy fruit, <laughs> or, that, like, or they're shooting automatic weapons, and he's just like, "It's soundproof." What's that? What's <laughs> and then the... he throws a grenade at the door right next to it, right. and then, that blows the whole out, whole thing out. It's like, well, all right, how much soundproof it is? And then my favorite action scene of the entire movie, besides the alley fight, is the gift that I sent you guys earlier, where he's Roddy Piper's just waving the machine gun yeah. at the three. Uh, ghouls on the staircase like I don't think he looked down the sight of any of those guns during the entire movie but I just love just like well this is how this works right (laughs) well it's kind of like when Meg Foster bashed him over the head and he went out the window (laughs) I mean she came back and the next time she sees him she's like I thought I killed you and I'm all like yeah I would too what? That was quite the fall his reaction was pretty demure (laughs) He, he sort of gave her a look like oh Oh, where it's like, bitch, I need, you threw me out a window. I need to go talk to someone. And I'm like, please punch her, choke her, something. I, I, but her lines are interesting where they're in her house and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she's like, you're not sorry. You have two guns. You're in charge. Would you like some wine? Don't fuck <laughs> Don't with me. Don't fuck with me. I'm thirsty. <laughs> but they, they it, like, there should have, sorry, there should have been no. like, well, why is she here now? Like, is she suddenly joined the resistance? They should have gone into her, the fact that she was the, there, there the, the mole, more. the Judas, yes. all along. There should have been more to her character. But I knew she was Eva Lynn from oh, 1987's well, yeah. Masters of Universe. So there, there can't be any good about her. So wait, you, you're saying that like when she's like, she's got the gun that she's like, kind of gives a little bit of the villain monologue of like, you know, after I put on the glasses, well, she, she caps me. Keith David <laughs> in the head. And then uh, she's obviously working for, uh, for, for, for team A. That's the moment no. you realize that it's, it's off. That's the moment you yeah. realize it. Or I, I kind of wouldn't mind it if, like, when they're holding the gun on each other at the rooftop, how, if she had pulled off, <laughs> like, a, a mask and she was actually, like, she 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 double-crossed their technology. It's like, I was an alien the old time, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm a more advanced was, breed. I was the prototype. <laughs> I was the prototype. This is us infiltrating. They called me Prometheus. See, at that point, it's going to be, like, 19, God, 1998, 1995's, uh... Have you guys seen Screamers? 
Yep, it's going to be the new level of screamers. It's going to be Model B. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should watch. It's a uh, sci-fi movie with um, crap. Uh, who's the? I can't remember. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, the star of RoboCop. Weller. Yep, Peter, Peter Weller. Weller. So Peter Weller is in a uh, sci-fi. I mean, I call it a sci-fi horror. It's a sci-fi movie where mining colonies are fighting over a certain mineral and they developed a technology. It's not like Mars or something? It's like a moon of Mars. Or no, like a Fomos moon of Jupiter. Or Deimos. A, mo- a moon of Jupiter or Saturn. One of those things. Either way. Basically, there are sentient robots that know how to replicate themselves and they dig under the sand. So it's like metallic tremors that search out and they kill anybody if you don't have these bio inhibitors like it it takes out your tremors in space tremors on a different planet <laughs> just, just, just when you say tremors in space it reminds me of <laughs> that's uh, how the ass blasters get the, from planet to planet the very <laughs> end of a uh, history of the world part one where it's like and coming next year jews in <laughs> space oh, all right if i if i get the opportunity to have that movie, I, I will 100%. <laughs> God, I love that movie. Uh, segments? Segma. Segma. Segmas. Segments. Okay. Segments. Right. Segment number one, controlling <laughs> messages. Hidden messages are all over the place. No matter where you look, we're being either sold something or marketed a way to think. Some good, some bad. It just never seems to end. What is an advertisement that completely convinced you that the item being mentioned was completely worth your time? Did you end up purchasing or even believing the ad? Or perhaps you were fooled and soon disappointed after falling for it? Uh, I'll go first. That's all right. Uh, So this, I think, demonstrates more like the vulnerability of advertising towards children and adolescents okay yeah. uh because i couldn't think of anything that came from like adulthood where i saw that and i was like oh, i gotta have that <laughs> but i do have many many memories of the uh mid 90s and actually I-, I looked it up and uh on youtube you can find the 1994 commercial for briars vianetta Briars has created a spectacular ice cream dessert called Viennetta. But despite its delicious premium ice cream, with its irresistible, crisp, chocolatey layers, Viennetta could leave you with one small problem. No Viennetta from Briars. One slice is never enough. And the Viennetta was like their high-end premium dessert where it's sort of like a uh, a loaf of ice cream that has layers of chocolate, uh, like hard chocolate, crunchy chocolate throughout it. And then it's got like the, the piping around it. And uh, they were egregiously expensive. Uh, I think my mom succumbed maybe once because every time we would go to the grocery store my sister and i i don't know where the voice came from we would go but mama will you get us a vianetta mama mama we need the vianetta and it's like 10 bucks for what is really probably at that time like five bucks worth of ice cream but we thought we were hot shit eating our vianetta so drew please 
if you can cut in the brief Vianetta commercial with the music and the voiceover. Oh, you got it. I will love you. So that that is the, the, the one thing that stands out among many where it's like they really got us on the hook with this, like this classy European Vianetta. And they still make it in Europe, but they you haven't been able to get it in the US in probably 20 years or so. Uh, and and it's to the point where it's like i know it's not going to be that great but god damn it sometimes i'm like i could go for some fucking vianetta right now Hmm. i can go next um i have been very good about staying away from any type of multi-level marketing ploy that can come across my plate uh I can sniff it out. You don't want to be an ambassador? <laughs> you don't want to be diamond or double diamond? Yeah. I have been very good at staying away. However, there is one called Mana V that uh, a buddy was pitching to me and doing a very good job. Uh, gave me some sample. And I was just like, wow, this is really good. This is really good. I really think, oh, my gosh, like. I think I'm going to do this. And I just was so internal struggling, morally conflicted. I don't know, but I was able to finally kind of take a moment from the hype and back off and say, you know what? This is stupid and I'm not going to do this. But that was the, the closest that I got to, actually joining a multi-level marketing oh, uh, my no. buddies my buddies did vima at our house in bakersfield and i was like the grizzled old man that would sit in while they're having these like hype skype sessions with you know someone that was a couple levels up that was gonna you know you guys ready to like get your Bentleys by May and like who wants to be a millionaire here comes the the Potashaw emperor of sales right now and and these kids were just like lopping it up just la 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 they loved it and I would sit there in the back go how do you write off uh, these (laughs) how do you do your taxes at the end of the year that's a really good question to the guy in the back thank you so much and Never answer with the you. amount of money that you're making, Nathan. You won't have to do taxes because they won't come after you. Would Would you not like an extra five thousand dollars, Nathan? I'm like, no. Do you know I'm what's good. better than taxes? Not paying them. You know what's better than not paying them? A brand new car. Oh, so multi level marketing was the thing that I dastardly avoided and just loved that I never came to it, but. Drew, did you? No, I mean, not oh. necessarily. I, I, so Ooh. in in the constant stream of like fad diets and like, oh, this is a great way to lose weight. And, you know, my uh, my goals and uh, life experiences. I almost succumb to the herbal life. Ooh. <laughs> I had friends that were like all about it, and they're like, "It's so good." No, it's it's so you good on for that you. tanker, bro. It's like you know, you get it like every <laughs> month. It's gonna be so good for you, and and I, and I don't know why. It just sounded so fucking intriguing, and I'm all like, "Yeah, yeah, this is this is gonna it be." It comes good. from a plant or, that means it can't hurt you, or the different like you know weight loss like exercise routines that like had like the infomercials and. and 
and like different tapes that you would listen to to get like inspiration. So stuff like that growing up, like always just like intrigued me. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's going to work this time. And no, but anytime that I also like see a sale, especially for like sale for like movies, like I'm, I didn't even know it was happening, but I randomly saw an email where uh, one of the websites that I frequent, it's like, hey, this is our halfway to ha- halfway to Halloween sale starting May 27th at midnight. Come on and join the sale. Stuff is up to 50 percent off. And my brain is like, you have to pay bills, Drew. But in the back of my brain, it's like, you just got a new bookcase. You they need DVDs. They need DVDs. <laughs> there's spaces to fill. So. Yeah, there, there's always <laughs> there's always something that's going to intrigue me for a movie. But yeah, I mean, multiple times. It was times. your bookshelf, Drew. <laughs> you should have protected them. <laughs> I am. I'm making them more stable. <laughs> I'm filling the uh, I'm filling the Kaya. holes. <laughs> Kaya, we, we gathered these DVDs in the forest. The forest. <laughs> we found these Blu-rays on sale. Fifty <laughs> oh, percent off. Jesus. All so right. Drew's just walking into the DVD store going <laughs> In the new Willow trailer in my you see heart. the wand Finn result I've grown old <laughs> A stolly movie <laughs> Mumbo, Jumbo, give me some DVDs <laughs> not a patreon <laughs> not a patreon <laughs> okay all right thank you for that all right conspiracy theory the movie itself is based on the short story eight eight, eight o'clock in the a- eight o'clock in the morning i wrote eight o'clock in the a.m eight o'clock in the morning uh which depicts the controlling populace as much different uh as a much different form of creature what is a conspiracy theory theory that you've come across that you think is either super crazy or entirely plausible. If if you don't mind, I'll take the lead on this. Go. One again. It's, for so it. first of all, I just want to state that like I think in like the nineties and the eighties, like conspiracy theories were still fun. <laughs> yes. But now there's everything has a conspiracy theory. Everything. Even the latest shooting in Texas already has conspiracy oh, sure. theories. Uh so I find a lot of distaste for conspiracy theories now. It's like, well, there's probably the truth, but I could just believe this and I'm sure I'll be fine. So I don't have one. I, I just I couldn't choose one that I liked or I disliked. Oh, I have a few. Uh, don't worry. So um, what I decided to go with instead was uh, the best dad joke I had read in a long time. (laughs) And that is a a guy telling his daughter that, uh, of course, he believes in flat earth uh, because the earth is uh, composed of uh, two thirds water. Uh, None of that's or not much of that is carbonated. So it's got to be flat. And, and that's that is sort of my view on a lot of of uh, modern conspiracy theories, where you know you can poke holes in them. I mean, oh Christ, who is uh, Carl Sagan? Yeah, like he had a, a great uh, bit on the the early like the the one that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson remade. Yep, but the 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 universe, you know, science, whatever documentary show he did back in the 70s and 80s where he just had how they how the original egyptian mathematician mm-hmm. discovered how to to 
subdue the circumference of the earth by the shadows from the uh, the pillars or sure. the mon- or what, are, what are those called? The this is not the, the right obelisks. hand. The obelisks. I'm doing like a jerk off motion. Folks. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't like, look very good. What you're doing, but Jack. but uh, all he had to oh, do, you know what he's doing. All he had to do was hold up this this <laughs> flat piece of cardboard that he had with these obelisks on either side, and then just simply fold them the sun. in the middle. <laughs> And you can easily demonstrate with such a simple thing as that, that yes, the earth is indeed round. And uh, it, it, conspiracy theories have become more disgusting lately, like the, the Sandy Hook that it was uh, sure. the the oh, Alex so Alex Jones and you know how the <clears throat> Sandy Hook conspiracy Sandy Hook was a false flag. It's like, no, like a lot of people's kids died there. Like, yeah, it's not. Yeah, that's not a thing. Just like the nine eleven, like make a public apology, uh, which the airplane get, airplane fuel can't burn through steel. <laughs> yeah, but maybe two airplanes smashing or an airplane smashing into a skyscraper might cause some structural instability. So that's all I'm going to say. I'll pass on at this point. All right, let's see. I also couldn't uh, figure out any one that was just like, oh my god, this is the craziest. But I have quite a few that are kind of crazy. One, Avril Lavigne is a robot. Or a clone. All right. So that was one. Obviously, birds are not real. They're robots meant to spy on us. That the Earth is flat. That the Denver airport is the Illuminati headquarters. Um, I've been to the Denver airport plenty. (laughs) If that's the Illuminati headquarters, they've fucked up. (laughs) Oh, man. Hold on, Drew. If you do, don't just... If you have the one about Frozen... Please, I, that, I, that was I wasn't mine. going to do that, but I know what you're okay. talking about. It sounds like Fiddler on the Roof. So there's one that says like <laughs> solar flares. Solar flares caused the Titanic to sink. Another one actually says that the Titanic did not sink, but rather it's a completely different ship. It's in Atlantis now. <laughs> there's so much that is just like crazy. And I don't understand why people think that it, it could completely in any way, shape or form be real. Like like that the moon isn't real. Yeah, or or that the Earth is in a black hole, and uh, you know, yeah, that the Earth is it got sucked into a black hole, and that we just don't know it yet. I'm like, okay, well, does it matter if we don't know it? I mean, like, what's going to happen if we figure it out? Oh my gosh, we're in a black hole. Fruits and oh, vegetables okay. <laughs> don't have the amount of nutrition that they used to do. Well, yeah, that's because we've bred those fruit and vegetables to be pleasing to the eye and taste good, not and necessarily good. for their nutritional value. Yep. My, uh, uh, Drew, do you got more? No, no, I'm good. I rambled off on a few. Oh. All right. Um, Hit me. So my, mine is, and I just recently discovered this, Disney introduced the movie Frozen to crack Google's algorithm of people searching for Walt Disney's frozen, frozen corpse. Frozen head. Yes. <laughs> and like, ha- and so they made this entire movie to like one deter people away from like looking up the frozenness of Walt Disney and like oh frozen but why is that an issue like who who does that who, hurt and who really Disney who is still really? going to make money hand over fist they can like, they can is, trot the frozen head out today and the <laughs> stock would remain the same is is that, anything, is that what the song's all about like i wish people would stop searching up Walt Disney frozen body. Just let it go. Bill, oh. that's brilliant. <laughs> Quick, get a songwriter in here. <laughs> Just let it go. Oh. Let it go. Oh. 
Yeah, I, I think that that's wild. I think that it's so <laughs> it's so far fetched, yet like just enough. Like, well, they use the word frozen, and Walt Disney could be frozen. Like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's go with it. Why uh, not? On a quick aside, I do find it to be somewhat poetic justice where people bought into that in like the 70s and the 80s where it's like i'm gonna have my body cryogenically frozen so that you know in the future when they can cure my disease and my cancer they'll just bring me back to life and when the money ran out so did the refrigeration and then you know congratulations they had a you're still dead a a golden girls episode had a joke about that (laughs) no Calm down, everybody. How did this happen? I remember. That moron made us promise we'd have our heads frozen and meet a hundred years later. And we did it? I guess so. But I thought they'd have given us bodies by now. What the hell made you think that people would be lining up to donate their bodies? God, we look like a reunion of Henry VIII's wives. Come on, Dorothy, look on the bright side for a change. Okay. Blanche, you've lost weight. Or the poor guy whose mom wanted to her body to be donated to science, and he just wanted to find out where it had gone, and it had been donated to the army to be used as, uh, like, live, like, what happens when we deploy this sort of weapon. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's science for you baby oh. it's like, but it's like is there somewhere i could go and like you know visit her remains and it's like what we couldn't even get enough to put it in a coffee can okay would so- you like to, would you like to know more <laughs> oh, you oh, no. i'm doing my part oh no <laughs> donate your body to science today I'll try right now. Change if, the- if i ever donated my body to science i actually would because i find them fascinating i would i would willingly donate my body uh to a body farm because I like think, the decomposition. Yeah, ones. like yeah. decomposition or with bugs or what, or it's left out in the snow, whatever. Yeah, like at a body farm, because I think that that's actually that's productive science and that's helpful for a lot of people. I still think they need to do a horror movie where like some drunken high teens like there's a, a storm and they they're lost in the woods and they stumble Onto into a body farm. A body farm. Oh, sure. Uh but they're Nazi bodies. I don't know. I just threw that in off cuff. <laughs> but go. no, no, that that, that could be kind of. You cool. mean where it's like where like the Nazis are having a body farm with like dead Jews? Oh no, true. No, oh. no. I was thinking like uh, what was that I- ice cold or or what was it where the uh, climate change uh, starts to thaw out the Nazis and uh, oh dead snow, dead snow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 no. Leave the juice out of it. <laughs> leave the ju- leave the juice. They've had enough. All right, I apologize. All right, segment number three. Say that again. Roddy Piper had a few lines that he wrote down for Carpenter that he had from his wrestling career, stating that he wanted to use them in the movie. Finally, the chew bubble gum and kick ass line made it in, and we all remember it well. What would be your line to shout above the crowd to get everyone's attention, and why? I'll start this off. I would immediately walk in, cock my shotgun, and say, Crit's about to happen. 
as I would throw D20 shaped uh, grenades. The first person that gets shot goes, nerd. Crits about or they raise their hand and they say, actually, I never played D&D. I always thought it wasn't a very... uh, And the Jew would be like, I brought my dice and I've got my backpack with the books. We could do this right now. And you don't kill anybody. Crit's about to happen. Um, so mine is a combination of uh, the saying from uh, the guy that plays Eastbound and Down. Um, oh, what's his name? I love him, though. Oh, we all love him. Uh, it, it, the Royal Gemstones. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the uh, the special effects guy in uh, Tropic Thunder. So it's it's from uh, Tropic Thunder, and it's that part where he says "big ass titties." <laughs> he blows it. I would say that, and then as soon as <laughs> you just shout "big ass titties," <laughs> and then as Danny as I, Danny McBride, Danny McBride, oh, it would definitely get everyone's attention. <laughs> and then as soon as I say that, the peacemaker intro kicks in do you really want do you really want to taste it (laughs) yes that is my intro and that is when i start blowing those aliens away so eastbound and down great great comedy but i also have a little bit of a crush on katie mixon who played april because she's almost like like an alternative uh what's her name uh, oh, Jennifer Tilly. Jennifer Tilly. She's got that southern voice. Everyone go watch. She's also Chucky got the curves. Yes, brother yes. Tony. Oh, oh God, brother Tony. Oh, thank you, Mister Reed. <sighs> Maybe awesome. not anymore. Thanks, Drew. You've ruined it. <laughs> uh, so mine would be uh, light the coals, bitch. Because it's time to stuff this sausage. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Could be a double entendre. I was going to say, uh, multiple meanings. But, multiple but, meanings. but like the coals, bitch. Because it's time to stuff this sausage. That's, that's what I got. There you go. <laughs> okay. It is what it is. Well. It's not my finest work. Jack, do we have a Patreon for this movie? Yes. Uh, He said hesitantly. For $100,000. No, $150,000. Okay. uh, Very paltry amount, especially if you are a ghoul. uh, (laughs) Or one of the uh, we will uh, We will repaint your house to look black and white. Uh, Replace all your photos, your groceries, everything on your walls in a they live theme such as obey. This is your God now. Just reproduce. Sleep. Sleep. But you won't even notice it because you'll be looking at your phone. Because you already are asleep. You're already asleep. You're You're already already asleep, asleep. sheeple. You're all pigs. (laughs) Aircraft gas doesn't melt steel. Jesus. (laughs) All right. I I like the Patreon. Um, You know what? I want Nathan's (laughs) vote first. Uh, Nathan, what would you give this movie? I would give this movie a 6 out of 10. Um, it, again, it's above average. It's good. Don't give me those looks. I didn't give you I, anything. Send those judgments to uh, <laughs> to the nursery because that's my, I don't know. I don't send know. Send those judgments to the nursery. <laughs> Put your sorries in a sack. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good movie, but uh, the second watch was actually like a little bit kind of like, all right, yeah, I've 
I think I, I think I got it. Like, let's let's. Had there been a little bit more time in between the two, I think I I probably would have enjoyed it a little bit more. But yeah, it's it is what it is. I see. Yeah, I see. Um, if I had to choose between putting on the glasses or eating the trash can, I'd have to say, "Brother, life's a bitch, and it's back in the heat." And I'd put on the glasses. Uh, so I'd give it probably. I'd say eight, eight out of ten. As far as a streamlined plot and narrative, it is lacking. It does drag at points. And as far as John Carpenter movie goes, like the 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 shots of Roddy Piper walking throughout metropolitan LA with just his his soundtrack in the background does wear, especially on further re- rewatches. I'd say in the 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 triumvirate of the thing. Big Trouble, Little China, and They Live. They Live would be down in the... would be bronzing. You know, definitely Big Trouble, Little China for me at the top, followed by The Thing, and They Live. So it's 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 a great movie. The messaging is still on point. Uh, it's a little clumsy, though. Uh, but, you know, I still watch this movie at least every other year. Uh, or around Halloween, or just on a lark. So it's it's not a far reach. It's not like uh, Shadowlands or some other movies where it's like this is great, never gonna watch it again. Uh, I would agree with you with an eight out of ten. There are aspects to it that I wish were more expounded upon, like going into Holly's uh, story a bit more. Like who is she? How did she get recruited? But she's the girl with green eyes. She's the girl with green eyes. But I very much enjoyed the film. Um, and, uh, like a fine wine, I think a lot of aspects of it, uh, only get better with age and, uh, can be very palatable still. So yeah, eight out of 10. Well, delicious. So coming up, Jack has what for us? We are going to do con artist. Ooh! So the next one is going to be the con artist genre, con artist. Uh, which, uh, what was the genre that we did for uh, Bullshit Mon? Oh, we did Matchstick Men. We did Matchstick Men, and Matchstick Men was our... Was that like mental illness or something? No, it was... wasn't mental illness. It was something else, because that was that was season one, and that was an early... That was before we started well, doing like... That's when you, you let the website... Determined. Well, the website gave us options, and then Nathan and I chose from the options that it gave us. But what was that for? Was that uh, I can't remember because it was really season two when we started specifically assigning, like, assigning genres. genres. That was a grab baggins, wasn't it? I don't think it was. Mastic I think Man? that was the rest of season. I think one. that was season one. Uh, and we didn't do the grab baggins until the end of season one, right? Mm. Hold I on. don't know. It's, it's somebody quick Google frozen uh, <laughs> Disney for me. Uh, no! <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. Okay, hold on. I'm going to look up season one of Real Phil's podcast. Matchstick Men was season one, but I can't. And But it was uh, 25, 24, 23. It was episode 22. Survey says, show me potato salad. Bing! Love it. <laughs> oh, wait. Maybe it wasn't episode 22. Maybe I just put the pictures in the wrong order. Oh, okay. No, Matchstick Men we had as our first drama. Oh, okay. So it was yeah. still part yeah. of season one, but you're right. It was before um, 
because right, uh, it was episode 21 and episode 20 was Demolition Man, which we did without Nathan. Um, and High Spirits was before that. So God that was in the valley. Yeah, that was valley right after Jack started to join us. Green giant. Beep, beep. All right. Uh, let's slap a bow on this puppy here. All right. Well, guys, you can always. <laughs> <laughs> guys. Trash can. <laughs> so uh, be sure to join us. On the Real Fails podcast every two weeks. If you want to hit us up, we are up on the social medias. Uh, search for the Real Fails podcast uh, for Facebook and Instagram. We are up on Twitter at Real Fails Pod, or you can send us an email at realfailspodcast at gmail.com. You can also always call the Tooch line 661 376 0030. And uh, personally, I want to thank everybody who came out in support of live stream for the cure during May uh, 19th through the 21st. I really want to thank everybody. We crushed our goal of $20,000, ending with a goal of $23,000. Huh? Was it a serial crusher? A serial crusher? A ser- your serial crusher theory? What? Uh, this some, huge some fucking big guy. guy. <laughs> oh, some big freaking guy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Either way, we raised money for cancer. <laughs> for cancer. <laughs> All right. You know, I'm something of a fundraiser myself. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, Maybe in between then, uh, we'll bring you a uh, what have you been watching. I know Jack and I are very excited, as well as Nathan for Mm Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Jack and I maybe can talk a little bit about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Yes, of course I know. He's me. Sure. Sure. (laughs) But until next time, you're the realist. And the feelers. <laughs> we can, got him. We, we got, got one. We can one. We got one that can see us. All right, buddy, lay it down. Lay it down. All right, now beat some feet. Oh. <laughs>